at the root of it, if your filter is dope shit only, there's a lot of people that are going to follow a filter for what's dope. And there's a lot of things that can come from that and having kind of a, them serve as a gatekeeper and a curator of things that are pretty freaking cool. Then there's a lot of ways that that can, that can evolve and go. Welcome to Decentralized Dawn, where lifelong friends, Chicago and Disco navigate the ever evolving crypto landscape. With genuine curiosity and a commitment to nuance as our North Star, we offer clear-eyed exploration. Our goal? To empower listeners with the tools and insights needed to flourish in this decentralized age. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the world of NFT sensation Azuki. Again, I'm Disco, and I'm here with my co-host and partner, Chicago, and so begins this episode of Decentralized Dawn Podcast. All right. I'm excited. It's finally here. It is finally here. So here we go. Our first inaugural podcast. We've been planning this for this for what, six, seven weeks now, getting all the gear ready, getting all the slides and upgrading all the microphones and headphones and whatnot. And uh, now we're here. So I am fired, fired up. Yeah. I guess you could say kind of the, we kind of started planting the seeds even for this exact episode, the first episode when we, you know, reconnected and, and were able to be in Las Vegas for the, uh, for the Azuki event. So, you know, it's kind of from there, it, it kind of has come to life and I'm, I'm excited to delve into this. And I know that, I know that you, um, you've been pretty, pretty tied into the space and tied into Azuki specifically. So I'm, I'm dying to kind of see some of the things you put together and, and things we can dig into. So let's, let's get it going. Yeah, I'm excited. The um, bringing you to Las Vegas for the Azuki uh, Vegas party was was super fun on my part because you know, as Disco said, we grew up together. We've known each other since we were six or seven years old, and it was really cool to bring someone who is newer to the crypto and NFT space to really put a lens from you know, uh, I don't want to say a normie cause he's not anymore. He's, he's dived, he dove in a couple of years ago, but from, especially from Azuki and, and from the NFT standpoint, someone who is relatively new, who has a perspective that I'm just too close to all this stuff. So we started talking about it a whole bunch on uh, the last couple of months. He went to Vegas with me and it was amazing just to have a gut check, be like, what do you think of this from, you know, from an outsider's perspective and, and a non-holders perspective. Yeah. And just by a little bit of background, I have had experience um, over the years working with lifestyle brands and, you know, the kind of the DJ scene and the electronic scene um, when that kind of came around. So I was just fascinated from the jump um, of seeing a brand um, starting to develop and how it's coming together. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are extremely interesting and compelling um, about Azuki to say the least. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to nestle into a pretty nice conversation today. And uh, we, we do have two, um, two different perspectives, but you know, we, we look at things from, from kind of an open-minded perspective. Yeah, I think so too. And just hearing different perspectives of, as I go through it, you know, I, I, bought my first Azuki on the left, uh, 6501 on reveal day. And, you know, being from Chicago, uh, thus the name, um, you know, I used to skate near Jordan. So this was near and dear to me. Um, and when I saw that one immediately, 
Uh, that was the one that I got. And, uh, I sported that on uh, Twitter now X for a good year, uh, until I got my crypto punk. But, uh, this one is near and dear to me. And, uh, Azuki is, it's, it's a fascinating ecosystem and there's so much that, that these guys have done right. Um, but you know, obviously with the elemental drop, there's a lot um, that went wrong. And, uh, what we want to do today is just break out, you know, just sift through everything. Like this is one that even if we didn't have a podcast, I, it was kind of bothering me after the launch. Like, you know, I, I, I do think these guys, the Chiru team, that is, I, I know that they care and I know that they put so much work and that the artwork is just beautiful. The community is amazing. And I wanted to, to kind of deep dive and, and, you know, the, I think the Fudsters of Azuki aren't, they're going to get something out of this, but you know, the, the super fanboys and the garden protectors are going to get something out of this too. Cause this is going to be, uh, if we do this right, it's going to be a very nuanced take, um, on something that I wanted to do, uh, anyway for the last couple months. Yeah. And ever since, ever since I was introduced to the, to the, um, community, even from just the art perspective, it's, it's nothing if not compelling. And, you know, looking at the one that, that you got originally, it's, it's, it's incredible because that's what they always say, you know, with, with people getting into NFTs, right. It's, you know, get something that identifies with you and you can, you don't necessarily have to look at metrics or this or that, but something that kind of lines up with your soul and lines up with, you know, kind of your identity. And it's, it's ironically interesting that you happen to get something with some J's and, you know, you used them for skating back in the day. So it's kind of a perfect, you know, onslaught or intro into a community when you can find a piece of art that really resonates. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you said it best right there. There's a sense of, you know, you, you get a, a PFP or a, an image that really resonates with you and, and, you know, you feel a part of this bigger community and, and, you know, I, I think it'd be hard to argue of all the collections and all the drops that have been out there. I mean, the Zuki artwork, you know, and, and I grew up liking anime, but I wasn't like super anime guy at all, but, but I just, that this, this artwork just, just hits on so many levels. And it's, it's fascinating. Uh, before we get into this, I do want to, the nuance is uh, a word I'll probably say a lot, you know, on decentralized Dawn, but, um, there was a group, uh, I want to dedicate this show to the, uh, a couple of Zuki, some of my favorites and some of the most positive folks, uh, in the garden. And that'd be Ilan and Junie for sure. And then of course, all the sense of beans, CCW, Ebe, Clappy, JT, Alex, Broke, Omega, Sammy, Sad Boobs, and of course, uh, our fearless leader and the guy who brought us all together, Airport. Uh, and I just wanted to give a shout out to them because when the Zagabond, the Zagabond FUD happened last year, that's when we all kind of came together and we were still all super gung-ho Izuki, but we were also pissed, you know, so we weren't the fist pumping circle the wagons and protect the garden at any cost, but we weren't the fudsters on the other side either. So it, it allowed us, you know, a lot of times the opinions I have here will not be their opinions by any means, but, um, a lot of influence and, and a lot of, um, of the intricacies and kind of nuance of, of this whole NFT space. Um, and some of the ideas, uh, definitely were inspired by some of these great folks. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. So when we get into this, um, you know, 
Disco and I want to keep this uh, a chat ongoing and, and live, but I actually did put some data together because I wanted to see, especially on the money side, like I wanted to see like why, what, what happened and you know, is, is this just the end or is this just a really bad bear market and you know, what happened? So again, these are my two bags. Um, early on, I got Samuel Gildas to, uh, animate this for me. Uh, Sam is awesome and he's, he's probably done hundreds of these things by now, but, uh, these are, I've had five or six Suzuki. Um, I flipped a couple mostly at the right times, but these are the two that I still hold and, and probably the most near and dear to me. When I, when I got my Suzuki, I wanted them to tell a story and I wanted to be able to tell a story with the Suzuki and, and these two fit the bill for me. So yeah. I had to show off my bags first, of course. Um, so first let's get into it. I mean, everybody on Twitter, obviously like so many takes, you know, every day there was 50 more takes than the next last day. And there was a lot of good ones. There was a lot of stupid ones. There was a lot of FUD and there was a lot of circle, you know, circle the garden wagons. And, and, you know, there was a lot of big holders who were pissed too, who vocalized and, and, you know, a lot of them doubled down and stayed and some of them left and, and, you know, I, I think both answers are, are kind of correct, but you know, th this isn't going to be new to anybody, not groundbreaking, but why, why are holders so pissed? And it, it really boils down to, I think everybody felt that Azuki, uh, and Chiru labs made a $40 million cash grab on elementals. We all went to Zuki Vegas. You and I had fun. We saw a bunch of people. We went to the skate, the warehouse party and, and, and yeah, we had cool. a good old time. Yeah. And we knew something was coming, right? We, we, we assumed it did, but the amount of rush that happened after that event, I mean, I, I think, I think minting was Monday. Yeah. And wasn't it like a really short window? Like, wasn't there something going on with that? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was a 10 or 20 minute window. It was, you know, other deed had something similar, I think where it was a very short window gas fees just went through the roof. It just, it didn't have to be that bad. And Azuki had never had gas problems because of, you know, ER 20 ER 721 a, um, it's, it's just a very efficient contract and you got Saigar who's just a, a genius with the solidity controls. So, so Azuki's never had that problem. And so it was just very uncharacteristic to do. And, and it definitely pissed holders off. But as I kind of go down this list, I'm, I'm going to just share some of the elementals that, that did drop Monday. So it was a super quick mint, right? In 10 minutes, um, gas did explode. Some people couldn't get it and were pissed. I'm sure some of the people who didn't get it might've been happy because they probably could have gotten stuff cheaper. I may be one of the few ones that was just, I don't know. My spidey senses were tingling a little. I did not even, I, I had the window open and I was like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. You got a, what was it? It was two ETH and you got for every Azuki you held, you got a, you got to mint one, I believe. Yeah. And I remember like one thing to say, like, I remember there was a sense of expectation, you know, 
before the party, before they did the, you know, check your wallets or anything like that, there was an expectation that something big was coming. And I remember afterwards I was talking to you and I was like, oh, maybe I'll get in and maybe I can, you know, get one of the elementals. You're like, there's no chance you're going to be able to get one of those. They're going to be scooped so fast. So it just kind of spoke to the confidence of everybody that I met that weekend in the community about the execution that the team would be able to pull off. So I think that's kind of important to note. And that was also, you know, when the, the the whole the whole space was in a slightly different place than it is now. It was a little more bullish in terms of the opportunity, but there was just a really, um, really powerful powerful belief in what was to come out of that Vegas event. So expectations were super super high before they dropped the uh, elemental stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely were. And, you know, nobody really knew what to expect. It was all a surprise. And, you know, that's, that's what the NFT space does. It's, it's all about, you know, kind of, kind of leading along, string along a, mid, a little, keeping the mystery. Um, but, you know, again, the, the, while I have the, why the holders are so pissed, uh, slide up here, I'm showing different elementals. And one of the biggest reasons that they're super pissed is like the elementals are, is awesome. It totally delivers. It really, you know, and, and if you think about it, uh, from steam boy, of course you, you're going to learn from the little nuances of the first collection and you're going to make it better. The problem is with an OG 10,000 collection, you know, if you're an OG, you don't necessarily want it better. So what I did here was put, um, my red, who's a 420 fireball, it's one of only two in the whole collection. And wow, do I sound like a nerd right now? But, <laughs> but I, you know, I, you know, I, I really resonated with this one and, uh, you know, but I'm putting the new ones around it and the, the whole mid rares in Azuki, I think these and me and, and people who hold a bunch and people who hold the mid rares got screwed the most. Cause you know, at some point, in 2022 or early 23, you paid a premium for those. And now you've got the kids, you've got the animals, you've got like 23 or however many more different background elements. And, you know, a lot of them are super cool and resonate with different people. You know, now instead of just an acoustic guitar, you got a, uh, an electric guitar, like, you have more things to kind of fit your personalities. I mean, the, the art is, is absolutely amazing, but you know, the point again is I love the bucket heads. They're, <laughs> they're so cool. That, that's, those were so, I mean, so many things like that, the sloths I love, like there's so much strong stuff in the collection, but it really, it just overshadowed the main collection, especially those mid rares, you know, that's, that's where it really, really yeah. tanked the hardest. That's a really, it's an interesting perspective on it because for me looking at it, I'm like, you know, they, they improved, you know, it was kind of like a 2.0 and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at, look at this art and look at the kind of diversity of what they're focused of what they're exposing. You know, I found, a, I found a set that had skis and I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. You know, so they, it, it's a weird situation because they, they almost are getting punished in a degree for evolving in a great way. So it's, you know, it's kind of an interesting way to look at it, but when you start seeing the sloths and you start seeing the animals, it's like, Whoa, where can they go with this? So down the road, long-term, maybe it opens up more doors. I'm not sure, but it is interesting to see, um, to see something with a great drop. That's even probably, you know, slightly 
you know, taking the lessons from the first one and innovating and even making it more kind of more accessible and more awesome, you know, yet there's, you know, you got to look at how they, you know, how they take care of the original people in. So it's a, it's a very interesting point to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, and the big elephant in the room obviously is, you know, when you go from 10,000 to 30,000, you know, and obviously two different collections. And, you know, if you look at board apes versus mutant apes that went from 10 to 30,000, but I, you know, some, sometimes I think Yuga did things just like paved the way for everybody and it worked but it didn't work for those who followed. And and in this bear market, I think with Azuki in a bull market, you know, I, the elementals were too close to the, to the OGs. And I, I think that was a big problem. And I think that would have been a problem anyway, but in a bull market with a bunch of new people wanting to come in, it probably, I don't know if it would have been fine. The, the OGs would have sank for sure but it certainly wouldn't have gone from 17 ETH to 3.69 ETH, which, which we'll get into, but you know, you add beans on top of that. You're at a 50,000 PFP collection now. And, and the beans obviously are a whole different vibe. And there's so many great community members just focusing on the beans. Um, and does such a great job at it. But again, you're, you're, you're in a bear market, even in a bull market. Now you're at 50,000, you can, unless you do some burn mechanism, you know, like, uh, um, oddities did, you know, with moonbirds or something, which maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't like you, you can't un 50,000, 50,000. Now you've got them. Yeah. And that's just, you know, a whale is only going to hold so many Azuki or elementals or beans. You're, you're, you know, at some point when something like this happens, you're not going to go, you're, you're not going to go from holding 10 to holding 80, you might, if you're holding 50, you're probably to go down. Like I need to, I need to, I need to lighten my load here a little bit, you know, cause when, when, when liquidity dries, it's gone. It goes from, you know, Noah's Ark to desert yeah. immediately overnight. Right. But there was also just to remember the time, like there was a lot of pressure on that event and on this drop to kind of I hate to say like save the NFT space, but it was kind of like the one thing that could have kept momentum going. And, you know, we've seen what played out afterwards, but there was a lot riding on it and they were sitting on some pretty freaking nice art, you know, and pretty interesting concepts. So you got to look a little bit at the timing and how it went. And, but at the end of the day, they did drop some pretty amazing art into the, into the ecosystem and, you know, how much of it was timing, liquidity, pressure, you know, X, Y, Z, that's what we'll kind of get into as we keep going, I think. Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to talk about it somewhere, but yeah, Azuki, you know, we got to remember the bear market had already started. Azuki and D gods were really the only last two that were keeping things propped up because everybody knew something big was coming. And, you know, Azuki was trading at 17 and everything was dandy. Everything else had already tanked from what, February 23, uh, into the summer and Azuki and, and D gods were just the last two holding, just propping the whole industry, uh, up. And, and I think once this fell, it just, the, the dilution was just, it was an absolute killer. So again, just. It's kind of setting up now, but really people are pissed because of how quickly they did it. They didn't really 
confer with anybody and you know maybe you don't have to confer with holders but i don't know if i was if i was at chiru like i would have spirit dow on my speed dial you know and and obviously you can't divulge everything to everybody and i'm sure they do have these guys on speed dial but this was such a miss it makes me ask the question like i i i firmly believe that they did not n- know how bad this would tank but I suspect they knew there would be some fallout. So as we get into this, I've, I've got a couple uh, theories. So, yeah, I mean, just the art is just I mean, fire. Yeah, I could, I could just keep looking at them and being like, oh, that one's super cool, you know, but we got to move on. Yeah, absolutely. So what I really wanted to do here, um, really for my own edification, is just follow the money. So this chart is, it's a simple chart. The price in ETH is your skinny blue line. And for those listening to us, I will uh, explain it as best I can. But, you know, if you hear something interesting, it's always good maybe to look at the, uh, on the podcast, look at the time and check it out on YouTube uh, if you want to see it. But price in ETH is the skinny darker blue line light blue gray is the volume. So as you can see from the launch, um, in January 22, the mint reveal, the volume is just lights out, you know, at this time, this, this was only my second mint, uh, nuclear nerds was my first only a couple months before. So, um, I know, uh, disco alluded to it before, but I have been in crypto since 2015. Um, and he's newer to the space, but I didn't get into NFTs until, um, fall of 21. So I was a little late to that game. Um, uh, but got lucky that Azuki was, was the second one I was looking at. So January 22, we have the mint reveal and usually things after reveal, like even if they go up later, they go down. Azuki did not do that. And it, and it was a few collections have just kept going up in meteoric rise that, uh, Azuki had. So upon reveal, um, where people, a lot of people think they can wait for the little one, two ETH pullback. It went from three to four to five to six wow. to 31. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So by, um, April, um, for the first garden party, which I was at, and that's where I met Ellen and, and so many other cool folks. Um, that's where the infamous now check your wallets, uh, beans drop was. And those beans before reveal, uh, were going for, I want to say they peaked at like five, six, or even low seven ETH. And a couple smart guys there were, were at least trading one of the two. Remember you got two for every Azuki. So that was a huge win. And as you can see, the price goes up. We maxed at about 31.80 uh, different um, uh, exchanges had different numbers, but that's around where we were. We were well over 30 ETH and the volume is just going bonkers, right? So that was the heyday. And I would say this is where it was definitely a win-win. Um, and then you can see the volume you're getting into May. That's when the, the Zagabon FUD came out. That's when he was doxxed by Paulie and the whole funk thing. And, you know, it, I'm not going to go into super detail there. Everybody else has covered this way more than me, but it was, it was, it was a bummer, but a lot of the people that I knew we stuck around and we were bummed and, and we knew that. Zagabon had to kind of change his tune and, and Azuki and Chiru labs had to be more humble, but you know, we knew they had a good product and, and that they were very, uh, smart, smart, uh, folks and, and they had a good uh, game plan. So, so, so really quick. So 
Please. That news came out like right at the peak, you know, and then essentially seems like people stuck together, right? And that was kind of the, it was kind of a testament to people believing in the project in the garden in the community. Like people kind of work together to be like, hey, we're going to keep going with this and we believe in them and everything like that. But was that kind of the first um, piercing of the veil, so to speak? That was definitely the fall from grace. I mean, you look at the chart. I mean, it was still in the 30s. Yeah. It just, that Zagabon FUD, look at that volume meter in early May there when it all happened. Like the volume is, it's actually the highest volume trading that Azuki's ever had. And it's whatever, we're in one and a half years. Um, it, was yeah. just in, it was just insane, the amount of volume there. So, but to answer your question, there was three camps. There was the people who were just disgusted when they found out who he was, um, Zagabon was, um, and he's doxxed out there. I'm not gonna, that's, that's not worth getting into. It doesn't matter. But, um, so there was the camp that bailed and were so pissed and were super vocal there. There was the people who missed out on Azuki and faded it or whatever. And because remember, even a lot of the influencers, Azuki was very grassroots. Like they might've had some influencers, um, promoting stuff, but the big names of that time, the big influencers of the, of the early 22 Twitter era, they weren't pushing Azuki at all. So I think there was, I think some people were definitely happy to, to dance on the premature grave of Azuki, which, you know, it's going to be a reoccurring theme here. It's like, uh, they're done and they're never done. Right. Yeah. But, um, that, but that's pretty, that's interesting to think just really quickly that it organically came out with a, with a, loyal community you know like from the very beginning it wasn't like it was you know just a bunch of hype hey, yeah. and i think that yeah. comes down to the fact that the art speaks to people and you know the ties and the ethos of kind of being a street where brand and all those things really resonate so it's very there's something really in the dna of it that attracted a lot of people organically yeah that's a good point and there was you know like i said i got in on reveal day so I, I kind of knew about it before, but I didn't even know how to get a, a whitelist spot. So, but there's guys in, in some of my groups who have been in since way before reveal where they were all working on like derivative art and kind of helping the team. So there are people who are, there's a name for them, like OG beans or something. Um, but yeah, that, so that, so the community was already so, so solid. I know Ebe is, is one of those guys who's just has been there from the beginning and just been such a good positive voice, um, for the whole ecosystem. Um, you know, so, so when all this FUD happened, it was, you know, it was a bummer. And as you can see, the volume literally just cratered to almost nothing. It's the lowest volume in the entirety of the collection that, that we ever see. So, you know, that lasted a good quarter, right? Two or three months of just uh, low, low trading. But what's interesting is we only hit about a 5.8 ether around thereabouts bottom. So yeah, it, it, it bottomed out. And obviously from 31, it, it, it tanked, but you know, in, in hindsight, when you kind of look at the bigger picture from our vantage point now and in fall of 23, it, it wasn't terrible. You know, had, had a Zuki, you know, it, it's an interesting thought exercise. Had the FUD never happened, like had, had Zagabon not had anything to do with Funks and had someone not tried to, to literally extort money from him, um, to, to, you know, because he, we, they knew he was successful and, and had such a great product on his hand. Like 
would Azuki have gone from 31, 33? I mean, you got to remember at this time, Bored Apes, Bored Apes peaked, I want to say at 145, 150 ETH. I mean, they were, I, I think that was around the era they were, they were skyrocketing. So Azuki, I mean, hindsight's 2020, but Azuki could have risen to that level very easily. I, I I could see an argument for both sides, but that definitely crushed it. There's definitely, you know, in, in crypto, just like in anything, there's there's scammers everywhere. And there's people who just thrive on negative news and wanting to see people fail. So almost every collection that's successful goes through this baptism by fire. So, I mean, was this one worse than others? Eh, Somewhere in the middle. I, I don't think, you know, Funks was just a derivative of CryptoPunks. And yeah, the guys made a lot of money and the guy just faced the other way. But this was a new system. Like, I don't, I didn't get into Funks. I didn't lose a lot of money in it. So I have no personal hard feelings on it. But what he did, what they did was not horrendous, in my opinion. Yeah. And even if people got in at the mint, you're still above where you got in, you know, so it didn't just completely fall off the, fall off the wagon by any, by any means. There's still an anchor and that anchor obviously is tied to this commitment to the community. Like you said, everybody's winning. So at four ETH, you know, I was winning and I got, um, the fireball for 20 at 11 ETH. I'm not winning with her anymore, but you know, I wanted to hold her anyway, but you know, so if you got in at 90, 13 ETH, like, you go up to 31 ETH, you're just like, everybody's winning and everybody's feeling good and everybody's drunk, you know, on the, yeah. when you're on the top of the mountain, all you think is it's only going to keep going up, you know, and now we're in the bear and we're in the, the darkest part of the forest, you know, just before dawn when it's darkest, we only see the, the bear, you know, it's so hard to see the the other side when you're in the one you're in. And that's the, that's the beauty yeah. of fear, greed, and just pure FOMO, you know? Yeah. You can't remember the, those feelings cause they don't resonate in the environment anymore. So it's hard to remember when it's like, Hey, we're just going up, baby. <laughs> like it's, yeah. you know, you don't see a lot of high fives right now. So it's a little different. No, you definitely don't. So again, five ETH bottom. And then in last year, at the end of last year, things start to pick up. You get, uh, you know, October, November, December, volume's low, but it's trading. And the community, remember, is just getting stronger and stronger here. And and we're going to show a couple of things of what they built, but the community and all the spaces and just so many people meeting at these different parties and, and it really just kept galvanizing. I don't know if that's the right word, the, the community and, and just bringing yeah. them together, uh, tighter and tighter and tighter. So, all right. So the volume's picking up, obviously I, 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 the Las Vegas party was announced sometime in April. They basically said, Hey, we're not going to New York again. Uh, that is the one party I missed. And I do regret that. Um, cause I think that was had like secret rooms like that one's, <laughs> that one's my style, but I'll, I'll get into that later. But, you know, the volume's picking up big time because um, the NFT market at the beginning of this year, it wasn't that bad. And, you know, Azuki basically said no to New York. I think Yuga said no to New York. Everyone's like, eh, we're not, we're not going to make New York a yearly thing anymore. And Azuki obviously decided to do their own thing. So the volume's up. There's a lot of anticipation. New people are coming into the garden. Uh, and the price is really, uh, it's really doing good again. And, and, you know, we hovered around that 
14 to 17 ETH range, which I'm happy with. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a great spot to be. It hung out there for most of this year. Now, one could argue part of it, you know, when you announce the party and the party is one of the big things that it's going to stay at a certain level and, you know, until something happens and then it's either going to spike up or in this case, unfortunately it, it spiked down. So because, um, because when they announce the party, there's the assumption of something else is coming, correct? Yeah. There's a couple of things. So when you announce the party, there's also like, you know, you got guys with cash or just folks with a lot of ether, you know, people who also like to go to the parties, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away. We grew up together, but you know, we're probably a little older than some <laughs> of the folks out there. Right. So we, we probably have a little different perspective than most people, but remember when that party's announced, there's the whole FOMO of like, let me get Nazuki before the window shut. So I actually, if you can see yeah. the two little red lines, the, it looks like three or four weeks before what between the time the party actually it's like five or six weeks between the time the party's announced and the, when the ticket sales closed. Cause I wanted to see like when those ticket sales closed, is that when people bail? No, nope. it, cause after ticket sales closed, it spiked and then it stayed put until the news came. Right. So that's when the news came. The elementals were minted. The volume was the second highest ever behind uh, the Zagabond, uh, Zagabond fund. Um, and that's what, um, real clever play in words, but this is where the Chiru dilution falls. Again, I'm probably going to keep going back to it, but when you go from a 10,000 PFP collection right. to 30,000 and with beans, 50,000, like, what'd you, I guess, what did you expect, you know? Yeah. It, and I was always interested in like at the party, beans holders were invited and included. And it felt like beans was being utilized as an entry into the ecosystem. Right. So it'd be like, people would be like, well, I got a beans, but I'm holding on to try to get da da da. And that served a, seems like that served a good purpose at that point. And they kind of went to the well with that earlier. So then if they're then going to do the elementals on top of it, you got to manage a lot of different, um, a lot of different people's um, expectations on what can happen. Beans actually did a really good job. And and I can't think of their names off the top of my head, but a couple of guys really, who even who had Azuki, uh, just sported Beans on on their timeline and really just went all in on Beans. And, they, and, and Demna, too, um, got into the whole Beans movement. And they really created their own ecosystem. And yeah. so to say it was aspirational, I would say is accurate. But I would also say... They, they kind of created their own vibe too. It's kind of like, yeah, of course, you know, if money or ETH is an issue, yeah, of course I'd love to have an OG, even if I'm going to sport my bean and kind of do IP stuff with the bean. So you throw yeah. elementals in there. And like you said, now you've got three collections. You know, I almost feel like I'm seeing the Hobbit when it was like six armies and like, <laughs> you know, the orcs, the goblins and the humans and, you know, the hobbits and, and everyone, it's everyone versus the dragon and every like, <laughs> and then this army came from the North. Like that's three different collections you have to manage. And, and elementals I think is finding what its community is. That stuff kind of solidifies over time, but you know, now you got 50,000. So, so how many whales and even medium to small OG holders are going to hold a ton of everything, you know? Right. 
Yeah, you so, almost have to you almost have to kind of pick your lane within the communities, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the current floor is a three point six nine ETH wall, and and this wall is very interesting. This kind of takes us to the the present, but uh, we're not even uh, remotely close to there yet. Because, like I said, when I deep dive, I want to I want to look at this thing from as many different facets as possible. To when when see. Chicago deep dives, he's not using a snorkel. He's putting on the full gear and he's going deep. Yeah, I should learn how to actually scuba dive. I've snorkeled and I love it, but scuba yeah. dive, I'm, I'm afraid to get the bends. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good Radiohead album, but keep going. Oh, that is very good. Uh, so, you know, Chiru tone deaf or calculated play. And and now let's let's look at the money. I would say follow the ETH and what that answer is. And, and I don't know if it's definitive, but if wow. you look at just the money, so in these numbers, I, I pulled these from a couple different sources. They're probably not exact, but they're very, they're in the ballpark. They're plus or minus one or 2% or whatever. The number is actually probably higher. But uh, what I love about this chart that we put together is it tells you what part of the collection uh, made what revenue for Chiru, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Azuki Mint, was at 31 million, but that was not the biggest money getter for them. It was actually number three, uh, the Azuki royalties. I I broke out Azuki royalties in 2022 and 2023. And I did it just like with more of a blunt knife because I just wanted to see, you know, there's going to be a whole, um, royalty collection. I wanted to see kind of like if it was weighted one way or, or another. So I broke those out. So the royalties in 2022 was the most that they made. So, you know, you think about it, you've got the collection released, you know, they're working on stuff uh, under the hood, but that's passive income. That's annuity, yeah. right? That's just revenue where you don't even have to earn it. And that was $43 million or thereabouts, right? Wow. The number, the number two was, and just please interrupt me because you know I'll just keep going. Interrupt me if you have any questions or any comments yeah. on it. But the, the elementals mint that you know we just had that that had the big fallout. That was number two at about just under forty million. I have about thirty-seven million three forty. Um, and then the Azuki mint was uh, at the very beginning in January twenty-two was uh, third at thirty-one million. You know, and if you look at everything else, the golden skateboard brought in. 2.5 million. And I would consider that a big success. Bobu brought in a million, which I had forgotten about, you know, I was researching this. I'm like, Oh yeah, Bobu. I forgot. <laughs> we I forgot. I had to mint that. And there was a lot of Bobu. I can't remember how many, I think there's 50,000 of them like gas. Cause I bought one for, um, one of my business partners and I bought some for a couple people, uh, in the web three community who I, who I know liked Izuki. And so I wanted to get them some too, but, um, so there was a bunch of stuff I'd forgotten about, uh, the ambush gear, that was a million, you know, I, I did not get one of those sweatshirts, but, but, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to do partnerships with higher end brands are doing cool stuff. But, um, and if you look at 2023 royalties, the number is super small at 2.3 million. So this really gives a good breakout of where the money is. Do you uh, think they, do you think they, there's revenue tied to the parties as well? 
It's a good question. I think the parties, let me think, because you got the swag at the last party. So they definitely made good money there. Yeah. And so again, I just wanted to see zip code. Like, I know it's not 300 million unless we're missing something big, but yeah, they probably, I could see them. I mean, how many people do we figure were there? A couple thousand, maybe 1,500, 2,000 or something. I don't know. So, you know, everybody's buying something probably. So I'm guessing they made a couple hundred grand on that, but that's just completely spitballing, making it up. So yeah, yeah, there was definitely other revenue streams, but I don't think, I think renting, was it Hakkasan? I, I think renting the space is probably going to cost way more than than yeah they made. That I think that's yeah, but not if, not if you look at the uh, elementals mint under it. Like who cares what it costs? <laughs> you know, if you got right, you know, that's a good seven. point. I mean, they pump everybody up, and you come, you know, and a lot of people, you know, not to, not to beat a dead horse, but that mint was Monday, maybe Tuesday at the latest. Most people, you know, some of these people are flying from all over the world. They're, you know, you and I've got families. We left earlier. Some of these people were staying until Sunday or Monday. So they were screwed because, you know, they didn't have their, the right hardware wallet to even mint this stuff. So it was, it was just, that, that was a fail. That piece of it was definitely a fail. A lot of them probably haven't had any sleep over the last three, four nights either. So. Right. Yeah. What kind of decisions are you making? And it was completely like the surprise is great, but it just, it, the, the 10 minute mint or 20, whatever it was, it just, there was a couple one, two punches that just felt like, yeah, I, you know, and obviously if you're going to mint, you better mint out, you know, what, what is it in the wire? Like if you're going to go for the King, you best not miss like, (laughs) You're going to mint your best, you best mint out. And, and they did. And then some, and remember every single minted elemental, I'm pretty sure this is true. Every single one was from an existing holder. So if you want to piss off, like, like you don't even, you don't even piss off the whole community equally. You piss off your, your base, you know, entirely yeah. because they're, they're holding your bags, you know? So if you break it out, um, Azuki, 22 royalties were about 33%. So about a third was the royalties from 2022 alone. Um, but we already went through the numbers, I think, in pretty good detail. But, you know, the net net is, is about 131 million bucks that they made on the stuff that that we could more easily count in 18 months. I mean, wow. that's that's a pretty good haul for, you know, a, a, a smart band of, of Web3 folks. Uh, you know, Chiru, I, I think the founders list is there's only like four of them. And then obviously with Azuki, there's, there's, I'm guessing 15, 20 employees tops. Again, I, I should have done my research on that, but there's not, there's not a ton of employees. Uh, and I can't imagine unless they're, they have the nicest, um, place in LA on the top floor or some skyscraper or something like, I, I can't imagine their overhead is massive, but, um, but- I think what what just keeps jumping out at me from everything you've shown so far is that so that much ballpark, whatever, you know, that much revenue was generated and the revenue was generated from the community, you know? So if all the elementals were from holders, like it's a very loyal, committed community. And I think that deserves a ton of credit. And the question really is, are they leveraging the community or is the community right in believing in this because there is going to be, they're building towards something that's going to be phenomenal. Because one of the things I noticed that I thought was really impressive was 
to a person at the um, Vegas event, people were fanatical about telling me about how excited they were to own a piece of Azuki and to be a part of what's happening and where it's headed and where it's going. And that got me like going back to the hotel, not that, you know, not super late in the night, you know, and, and tossing and turning like, dude, I got to get in on this. Like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing. So how, whatever, however they're moving the buttons and doing what they're doing, you certainly have to give, you know, commend the fact that they're able to inspire a community of people to believe in it enough to really put their money where their mouth is and generate that much for them. Now the question is, with that much revenue and with that, that many resources, is there a plan to execute and to take it to the level that it could become? Because there's no question with this affinity, I've never seen people more, and I hate to use the term bullish, but people more committed to being a part of it and proud of it. And you see that through the derivatives and you th- see that through the stickers and just everything. It was just like people were so proud and want, and they were excited to kind of not be evangelical to me, but somewhat, you know, be like, Hey, this is, these guys are doing this. It's so cool. You know, and everyone was so tight that it really is a testament to something resonating extremely well. And those are the things that if you look at brands that end up, you know, really going to the stratosphere, they have an incredibly loyal base that'll follow and believe. And I think that's representative specifically of looking at how that revenue is broken out and what it's brought in. Yeah, that's that's very well put. There's such a sense of belonging to the community and and again, you seeing that with fresh eyes was so cool because, you know, I I probably got to see that at the first party and just through different spaces and stuff, but yeah, it gets you that that FOMO and that hype gets you so ramped up and and so yeah. excited about the possibility. You made a perfect segue kind of where we're going now. So, you know, this chart shows total revenue for Chiru Labs and and you know, Azuki by month. And again, it's it's not to the to the 0.000001 ETH perfect, but again, it's it's super close. So, you know, at Mint Reveal, the revenue is great because remember I showed you the biggest revenue generator was from the 2022 royalties uh, before yeah. royalties went away, right? So, you know, you you get the revenue right at launch for the Mint, and obviously it's just massive. But just look at the consistency of that revenue. You know, at some point we'll probably do a show somewhere dancing around. Yuga Labs, but you know, they've taken VC money. And you know, when you take VC money, you can't have a chart that looks like this that revenue is super big and then it's good and consistent, but trickling downward. And then it's literally gone and then it spikes for another drop, you know. And yep. and that's that's really where this problem was. So the revenue on these 2022 commissions was just phenomenal for them. Um and then, you know, you get into the oasis, you get into the no royalty desert, which of course is when, uh, really from blur came about and basically just said like, yeah, we're not going to honor royalties and open is like, I don't got a choice. We, we, we really have to drop our royalty payments too. And, and, you know, that precipitated and then you hit a bear market with no liquidity and that dries up faster than, than, you know, you can imagine, but, but the big takeaway and, and, and both please. of those, both of those points have nothing to do with what Chiru or Zuki is doing. You know what I mean? Those are other factors coming into play that impact how they're going to 
build and survive as a as a brand. You know, they didn't that wasn't expected necessarily, is my point. So you can which, which part the like the, the the blur and you know the liquidity and all like they didn't obviously it's up and down and you can't really tell what's gonna happen all the time in the space overall. But you know, if you had people looking and projecting like VC guys or whatever coming in there, they wouldn't have been able to expect that it was just gonna go down like that. So it's you know, they got hit with a few things is I guess what I'm getting at. Well, and remember, everybody did. It's almost like following, you know, your favorite band or whatever. Like they're right. they're like rock stars. You're getting royalties on those album sales, you know, and when you tour, you get the money in the t-shirt sales and you make money there. But um, you know, which I know in music we'll get to in another yeah. episode where a lot of the money actually does come from the touring and just the sales of stuff because the the streaming revenues certainly aren't great. But you know, you're you're just a rock star. And then all of a sudden, you know, your label comes to you and says, Oh, hey, by the way, you don't get royalties on any of your album sales anymore. Even though they're they're still they're still moving. You just you just don't get it. You know, yeah. like that's everybody's model got effed by that, you know, and, and, yeah. and Yuga, Yuga's fighting back and, and, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm not going to get into a, a debate here. Maybe that's a show, maybe it's not, but I'm not going to get into the royalty debate. Um, but it, it clearly sucked and it totally screwed them up. But as a consumer, most people, if they don't have to pay another 5%, especially on five, 10, 15, 25, right. $35,000, uh, JPEGs or PNGs, then they're not going to. But do you, my guess, my, my question is, do you think that that royalty desert, which really sticks out, it's a great, it's a great visual to look at. Do you think that then forced the hand to a degree to do a large elementals mint, you know, like, Hey, this is our chance to kind of get some, you know, powder for the keg moving forward. And maybe it was brilliant timing. if you look at it from that perspective, I don't know. They had to get another infusion of cash. I guess where I take umbrage is I wish they had, now that I see the money, so take the 40 million elementals out. So you're at what, 90 million. We'll just rough number it. You're at 90 million. Like that's eh, a pretty good war chest for, for, you know, 16, 17 months. Why didn't they give better guardrails for the story? So, so more people, could write their to could get character stories out with like start making the star Wars universe. And I just felt like they dragged their feet. And now it's like you're now you're doing it after the elementals. And, and one of my big gripes is why didn't you start laying a lot of that groundwork before you've got so many community members who are making, I mean, if you go on, onto Twitter, there's, there's a guy who makes like, 30 second to two minute animations, Azuki. I think he did like seven or eight of them. They're incredible. They're absolutely incredible. We know Azuki's going to get into short form animation soon, but just the guardrails for the story, like there, there's the drip in my opinion for the revenue personally. And this is maybe where I'm too close to it because yeah. they don't owe me anything, but I think it was, I think the drip of creating the ecosystem was too slow. Okay. I'm going to counter with just to keep the conversation going on that. What would have happened to holders and to the whole community overall if 
they didn't get the infusion from the elementals. So if it didn't, if they didn't get that, who knows where it would have gone. And then secondly, is, I know to us, these numbers seem, you know, very strong and like, oh, how could you possibly, you know, go through $90 million or you have 140 million, you could be able to create Star Wars. Whereas, you know, the reality is on some of these shows, like even like a fairly odd parents or a, you know, these Steven, you're talking like 300 to 600,000 per episode to produce one of these shows. And if you're looking at like a minimum price range for a animated video, could be anywhere between 10 to 20 grand. So when you look at like trying to really have a war chest to build a brand that could become, you know, I don't want to say a Supreme or, you know, anything like that. But if you're thinking like, oh, maybe this could work into these different Marvel ecosystems or whatever it may be, I think it's interesting to pull back and kind of look and compare that to how long it takes other brands to get moving. You look at, um, you know, I keep going back to Supreme or Vans or any of that. 18 months in from those guys starting, they were nowhere near advanced as this. Like this is moving That's a good point. Light, light speed. Like, I don't know what's their real burn rate. I don't, you know, we, ha- we don't have access to that. So we don't know, you know, what's going on with that. But if they have things in development, you know, you know how long it takes to get things made and produced. So just a thought, like if they didn't get that extra, you know, infusion from the elementals, maybe what would they be able to keep working on or not? So it's just a, just a thought on that side of it. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I mean, animation, I, I, uh, used to work in that world to a certain degree and it, it's insanely expensive. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, you know, and they are going down that road. I, I guess where, and, and you make a very valid point, And I think that pushback is more than fair because you're right at 18 months vans, you know, that was even before our time, not, not too <laughs> far before, unfortunately, but it was before our time. Like, yeah, they were still, they were just a skate culture brand. And, and the reason vans were, were so, um, they, they were a functional shoe that, that grip on the bottom of vans is, you know, now I'm sure other shoes have figured it out and then some, but that, that it was the stickiest, best grip tape substance. I was this big skater growing up and, you know, except for my Air Jordans that I skated in. That's why I have a uh, Zuki 6501, yes. like skating in vans. We, we all did, you know, until Airwalks and all the other stuff came out. So and you're just, absolutely right. And one other thing from that side of it, you're looking at, if you look at some of the old, you know, the big success stories from a lifestyle brand perspective, a lot of them, at least that we're referencing, came from the kind of the West Coast and from Los Angeles. And that is something interesting that Azuki's got cooking on it. You know, like it takes a long time for things to infiltrate throughout an entire country and to get to the middle of it and everything like that. But I don't want to be like coastal bias, but a lot of cool beep, dope beep. does come out of, you know, kind of the Southern California culture. And I think that it's interesting to note that they do have roots and anchors in there. They have very good roots there, yeah. And I think they're connected not only there, um, but they're connected all over the world, I think. Yeah. And, I, and I've always said this, what Azuki does better than any other collection, and I, I can't even think of a close second place, their global reach is phenomenal. They just yeah. had a, a big party just a couple nights ago in Singapore. Um, I know, I think the skateboard auction, I think they were in China. They've had, I think two or three or four now big parties in Asia and, and, you know, they killed it over there. Hats off to them for how well they have expanded there. But you asked, what if, 
there was no cash infusion, would the community have galvanized? That's a good point. Because like, let's say Azuki, let's say they never did the elementals drop. They never had a party. Um, you know, the, they would have, that floor wouldn't have stayed at 17 all summer long. It's just, it would have trickled down. We, we would probably most assuredly be at least in the high single digits, if not lower. So, you know, we're at 3.69 now. That's a little low. I I don't, I think it's safe to say it wouldn't have gone down there because we wouldn't have had that massive dilution effect, but you know, I, I think it would have, uh, I, it would have stayed, uh, stronger than, than at least had it not. That's happened. fair. Yeah. So what, one thing that, that I will say is the, the animation, you make a good point. And I'm, I'm actually, you, you've caused me to kind of back off that stance a little. I, my thing was like, yeah, you should have already had like your pilot done and work with some of the best writers. And you know what? 18 months for a, a company that's got a long-term vision. You're right. That's, that's absolutely nothing. I will go back to those guardrails though, for the storyline. And maybe I didn't explain myself well enough before. I bought my three Azuki for a story. And when the Zagabon FUD happened, I actually stopped, I stopped doing derivatives and I stopped writing the story. I'm not saying that was right or that was wrong. It's just what I did. Cause I was like, you know, I'm going to hold these, love the community, love the people I've met, love the Azuki I have, but I'm not going to like be spending point three to one ETH on these derivatives and start, I was going to start doing some animations and videos right. and really blow out those two characters. And I backed off from it. But what I wish they would have done and shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I wish they would have created, like, start creating the big brush strokes of what the universe is. What is a spirit? What is a red? You know, the reds and blues, uh, for anyone who's held them out there can attest, like, reds and blues have gotten, not now, maybe it's better, but they, they've always been the value that a lot of us saw in them as the, you know, the far sub to spirits, but, you know, there's only like I think 500 of each of them, those Azuki never really gave those in the collector's portal, really a lot of, um, juice. And now they have, they, they give these things called badges for those, but they really didn't before. But I, I just wish I knew what a red and a blue was. So in just in broad strokes, and I, and I know the counter argument is like, then you're not going to be as creative. And, and I guess I would say is like, the more you paint those broad strokes for the whole, you know, Middle Earth, JR, Tolkien World, or Star Wars, or whatever, the more people can paint within there and maybe feel a little more confident to really go for it. Because, I mean, the community is by far the strongest thing, keeping Azuki at 3.69, like literally, I'll show you in a bit, but yeah. the community is is everything. As far as, you know, royalties earned, I, I just wanted to see, I mean, we saw, we saw the, the, wow. the desert, but you know, this is what happened. And, and it's, it's an interesting story from a couple perspectives, but one of them, look at all the blue that's open sea when they were just literally, you know, the, the money trees were planted and they were fully primed and they were just printing money. Nobody could touch them. You see, it looks rare got a little, a little green in there. And, and, you know, they made a little run with their, with their, uh, token and, and all the airdrop and all that, like right. just dilution drama. But I mean, 
OpenSea just owned it. And then look by the end of last summer. I mean, so, you know, you get into really midsummer, like June, July 22, royalties just tanked. So that that tells you even more for Azuki. Those royalty numbers I had for you that remember was yeah. the biggest piece, the 43 million. That was all the first half of that year. So the second half, like like don't get us wrong that that second half if if the first half numbers weren't so big that second half numbers they wouldn't look too shabby but they pale in comparison what are they you know for the people who are listening one tenth of the early 22 days when the royalties were just kicking off and then look at the end there it actually goes down to very little and then you see all the orange pop up which is blur like i mean OpenSea literally disappeared. Like, you know, how, how'd you like to, you remember OpenSea never did a token. Uh, Hey, good luck going public guys. Like, uh, no thanks. Yeah. I think that's yeah, the point. Go by ahead. the same, by the same token, I don't mean to say token, but if you look at it, like that's a business plan that just got eradicated, you know, Ooh, the Royal open, Royal OpenSea or Azuki or no, all of the above. Uh, all of them. You know what I mean? So you're sitting there starting a business. You're like, oh, great. We can count on, what can we count on for inflow? Oh, look at this royalty. This is, you know, our big cash cow yeah. and it just gets 86 and, you know, you're sitting there. So that's why I'm wondering, like, if you're sitting there, then maybe what else can you do, but come up with a drop, you know, for elementals to keep things going in the right way, you know, but it's just, it's almost unfair. And I know that everything is fair in business, but everyone got sideswiped by this lack of royalty. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think we can aptly phrase this. I wish I put a little thing in it. This is the blur wrecking ball, right? Like blur, blur bids and blur points. I actually had a third Izuki and those were my three core. Um, She was a Kabuki face and, and I love the Kabuki face Izuki. And when that whole blur wall happened with Maki and Franklin just blur swapping thousands of NFTs with each other. You know, it was before the party. I'm like, let's just hedge a little here. So I threw one. I think it was at like 15, you know, the wall, everything was at 17. Remember? So the, the blur wall threw it to like 15, five. I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take some money off the table. So threw that one in and, you know, obviously now I wish like, wish I did them all and then rebought them back, but should have, could have, would have, but the blur, just with royalties, just wrecked everything. It just wrecked it. So here's a, this slide put another way. Here is Azuki's royalty rate um, from the beginning in January 22 to now, but 5%, almost perfect to the penny to, you know, I, I it's not at zero, but whatever, whatever the number just above zero is, that's what it is. <laughs> Zero-ish. Right? I mean, it's it's it rounds to zero it doesn't it doesn't even round to point two it rounds to zero so um it's that's the story right so um and you you're giving me great perspective because i think there's some things that that maybe i am uh too close to it so you know one little side note this is my theory and someone out there smarter and has done more research than me might be able to disprove this but I suspect, or it's a possibility that remember then that goblins basically literally gave the finger to all their holders, right? Goblins was the surprise hit drop and, you know, they were kind of fun and they, they had, it was just weird and cool. And it was during kind of this mini bear and it was just, 
it was awesome. You know, it was, it was a fun collection and they were like, screw this. We're getting royalties. So they rewrote, they, they literally had the finger up. They went back to a placeholder. So your immutable NFT, now Azuki didn't do this. This is goblins is setting up, but this immutable NFT you had gets a picture of flicking you off saying, Hey, don't worry. You're going to get a one for one drop. Stay tuned on a new contract where we've got royalties baked in. Now, it's funny, Goblin Town of all collections, that's the one that I wouldn't see doing it, like almost for their irreverence. Like I it, it didn't fit who they were. Yeah, it you didn't know, this yeah, anonymous team irreverent. Like if I was holding a bunch, I would have not been pleased about that, just the handling of it. But so they went to a new contract. Everyone got, you know, it all worked. They got their one-on-ones, but it it did not bode well uh for the goblins, right? So Remember, fast forward to Azuki. My gut is they launched Elementals knowing Azuki was at least going to take somewhat of a hit because maybe then they could get that lock back on royalties. And again, someone out there, if if, if you're listening, please comment on that because I'd love to know more in that. But but yeah. it's definitely a theory of mine. Was Azuki calculated or tone deaf? I, I don't know. I think both. There, there's the holder, right? the community. And then there's Chiru labs, the guys who make, uh, guys and girls who make all the money on these sales, right. And, and the team. So at first everybody won, everyone was incentive aligned, the floor price is there in your skinny blue line and the total revenue by month. So I just overlaid the two graphs I showed you before together. So, you know, at first you're incentive aligned, everybody's winning, everybody's happy, um, you know, and then you got Zagabond FUD there, but then you go to the other side to elementals and this is where we're not incentive aligned. So Chiru, as you said, eloquently had to raise money, but the holders literally got left holding their bags. So that would not be incentive aligned. And, you know, it's a tough one. Like they, yeah. they, if they're going bigger with the animation and, and they're going to, ramp everything up to whatever it is they're going to do. Um, they've given us a couple of sneak peeks and, and we're going to talk about that, but that's why everyone's pissed. And that's why I wanted to, to look at the numbers. Like it totally makes sense why they did the drop, but you know, you lost a lot more people. The community is galvanizing, but my God, it, at what cost here's information on the fallout. So, Maverick, uh, 23. Um, I really like this guy. I think he's, he's got good takes. Um, and this one's interesting. So with his permission, I'm posting this, but he laid out, okay, pre-elemental market cap. You got the Azuki OG, you got the beans, the elementals, and you got the, uh, elemental beans, the unrevealed, right? So you're looking pre-reveal. And again, you're at the peak of hype. So take it with a grain of salt, but you're at $326.5 million value of all of those. If you, you know, if you just take the price post elements. So, so just go literally have the party, have the drop. You go from 326 to 78 million, a 76% drop in collection value immediately. So you know, it's no wow. surprise why people are pissed. So I, I love this chart. Um, I do want to say Seraph, who's, who's one of my favorite um, folks out there, super smart guy. Um, he's a big ordinal too. Um, 
But he, he makes a good point, and I want to address that. He says, you're not entirely wrong, but not entirely right. Market cap in NFTs, there's no such thing. It's it's a total farce because there is no, you know, with ETH and Bitcoin, there's always a buyer and a seller. Now, the price may be going down or up, but there's always a buyer and seller. With NFTs, that is not the case. When it dries, it, it, it it's already a very illiquid uh, medium in a bull when it's a bear you know again the desert analogy it goes to nothing so so his point is basically saying you can't look at market caps um and i hear what he's saying and i think i think he's right but i see what maverick was doing at some point you have to compare it with something so of course that wouldn't be the market cap of it it's the reality it's it's probably call it a fifth of the value, a 10th, a fifth, a sixth or whatever. It's somewhere in that range. Um, what, you know, like Chiru could sell the whole thing for, but it's when there's no liquidity, there's no liquidity. Right. So um, the market, so the market cap argument is essentially assuming there's always a buyer for it. Right. And the lack of liquidity means there's not going to be any transactions. So yeah, you can multiply it, but you still have to have market forces and people wanting to purchase that asset to, to, justify a market cap, correct? Yes. Well, remember the more people that want to sell and the more, you know, the more sellers there are, the price goes down. And then the buyers are like, wait, this thing is cratering. So it just craters. Yeah. It just craters so fast. The liquidity, they're just, there, there isn't enough. And, And let's say someone started selling a bunch, even at a cheaper price, because the liquidity is so low, the incremental unit going down of the price for each NFT sold is super steep. It's not like, you know, Bitcoin right. or ETH where it's like, oh, well, it goes down a little because, uh, you know, yeah, a couple supplies percent. It, this is like tank tank. And then at some point, it, it's almost just non-existent. And, you know, remember people who bought high, like at some point you're like, what's the point of even selling at three now? Like, yeah, like you're stuck. right. You're, you're just like it, you play the odds the other way before, you know, as long as you're not super depressed or desperate for the money, you're just like, I'm going to ride this thing out. So, so yeah. Seraph, awesome point, but uh Maverick, I, I love yeah, the, good the, stuff. Yeah. I love the thought that, that he put into just like, let's, let's, as a thought exercise, let's look at Azuki versus itself. What, what, what was the, the, the fallout of this, the other fallout, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but you know, Azuki is number one in, uh, you know, with all these bend and all this loans and lending on your NFT, which is just head scratchingly yeah. stupid. Like why anybody <laughs> would f- lend. And it's, it's just so stupid because again, the more it's sell, you just said. Yeah. yeah. Like what, like a couple people sell and you got no liquidity and you're screwed. And then you've got to, you, you've, you, you get liquidated. So Izuki at this point was the highest liquidated asset. So the fallout was big. So, so Chiru's moved affected a lot of people here. Uh, and again, I snapshot a lot of this in August. Um, but Azuki was for outstanding loans b- b- behind Milady maker. They were uh, number two. So just a lot of, le- a lot of leveraged Azuki out there. And to be quite frank, like getting leveraged fat out of the system to get to a, a better 
more stable, more liquid-based price is a necessity. It's true in the stock market, and it's certainly true in NFTs. When you've got loans, you're just leveraging up and down, and you're like 2Xing and 3Xing both ways. It's just not it's not a pretty look and it doesn't work and you can't get to a stable system again until all that washes out. out. Yeah. yeah. It's got to get flushed out of the system in, in defense of Azuki. So it's like, you know, it's, this has been all about Azuki, but this chart is, is way too small for the screen. So I'll just describe it. This is the same time period, 2022 beginning to current. This is all ETH NFT sales volumes. I mean, it's all, dude, it's all dead. Like the, we are in a bear's bear. And that's why Disco and I are, what a perfect time to start a show and, and, you know, get into this stuff, like just in the depths of the bear. We, we, our volume is so low. It's comical. Yeah. So, so now we get to the, the second part and, and, and probably the fun part too. What is Azuki? what have they done well? What has true labs done well? And again, I, I, I'm very U S centric cause these are the parties I went to. Um, and they've had great parties over in Asia, but they, they've had great events, the garden party. There were some hiccups of so some people who were in line, you know, I flew out there for that party, literally flew out, met a bunch of guys for dinner and went to the party. And had we not had someone not just been like, you know, let's just get in line a little early. I would have flown out to LA, you know, on a four hour flight and stood outside. And then my, I took a, a red eye home or I took no first thing in the morning. So I literally didn't even get a hotel. The flight was so early. I just slept in the airport. Like there was a lot of people who were pissed, but I got in super happy. It was fun. Met so many, so many cool people there. That's where Ilan and I just hung in the booth and sat by the jacket and just, just hung. But the, the events Suzuki has thrown, you know, they were great. I, I'd actually love to pause and get your opinion on, um, you know, as, as a newer person in the NFT space, what was your take on uh, the Vegas party? I think, I think my take on it was, and I don't want to sound like old man jaded, but a little bit old man jaded. Like I've been to a lot of nightlife events and a lot of large scale events at festivals and concert, you know, I had a stint in the music industry and I just thought it was fascinating how incredibly on the same page and motivated every single person was there. So it, that's one of the things if you, you know, go to an event, it's yeah, technically you can have any DJ or this, that, or the other that's drawing it. But what was Everyone was just so excited to see what was going to come next and to see what was being produced. So I remember like, you know, there was a, there was a, a gentleman who, who, who's a holder that you had a relationship with. And he was like, you know, kind of come with me, follow me. And we like wandered down into the depths of, you know, Hakkasan. And there was like a whole other scene going on. And I said it earlier, I just have never had that many people be that passionate wanting to kind of side conversate with me saying, Hey, are you in on this? Do you understand how awesome it is? Like, I just feel so, and this is, you know, kind of naivete to a degree, but they're like, just so happy to be able to be involved in something like that and something like this community and be involved with something that, you know, is cool. And I think that when we look at the thing over, when we look at it overall, they're talking about launching a worldwide brand with credibility and being cool. And we had, you know, having the merch and the, you know, the, um, 
the swag in there, but not not the giveaway stuff, but like the the things that you could purchase. Like that takes a while to figure that stuff out too, and to figure out how to get those produced and what's going on. And we can debate the quality and we can debate all that, but they were trying to really. I think that they leapfrogged where any brand I could imagine could be within 18 months of inception. And I'm sure there's, you know, I'm not, I'm not counting how much time and months and years or whatever were in place before the mint, you know, we're kind of talking like, Hey, the brand, it all started at the mint, but obviously it had to have started before then to be able to, you know, develop the, the assets and the, and everything from that perspective. But it was almost like going to, a rave or a music festival where everyone's just down with the movement of whatever it is. And that was really what my biggest takeaway was. I couldn't find anyone who was salty about being there. They're all like, dude, I'm here. And a lot of the people, you know, maybe hadn't been to a lot of big nightclubs and stuff like that. And it was super cool. And we had a little, um, we had a little, uh, barbecue, you know, kind of lunch or dinner before the skate part, the skate party thing. And I just was really interested. There was some folks who sat at our table that just got into town just for the event from Tokyo. And it's like, it was just the reach yeah. of it and the credibility of it. Like that's what really hit me from the point of it is still very underground, you know, and NFT overall, the whole space is still pretty niche, but it felt like a much more fully developed brand underneath it. And again, I go back to the community and the passion. I just felt that people are really, you know, sipping the lemonade and want to see what comes next and want to give this, this brand the most credit possible to really become something special. And I just kept going back to the fact that this is such an early stage situation and to see the scope and passion of the folks that attended and granted you're only really going to get people that are very passionate about it to fly to you know an event or anything like that but it was a lot of community that really felt aligned with hey we really want to see where this can go and hey we're really excited to be here so it wasn't jaded it wasn't um it wasn't you know sour it was just a lot of anticipation and excitement so i don't know if that was a long-winded soliloquy no that's that's a great answer and 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 again i thank my lucky stars because you give me perspective that, you know, it makes me realize from, uh, you know, we've both started, uh, multiple businesses and it makes me realize you get, you get emotional and attached to something and really get in with the community. When you get let down, it feels so much bigger than it is. Now, obviously it's a lot easier to look at it from the sidelines and be like, actually, I mean, cause what I hear you saying is like, actually dude, like, like 18 months, like they're, yeah, they've, they've had some hiccups and yeah, the elemental drop, obviously like you're pissing off your core holders, but there's a lot of cool things here that, that they've done. So I guess I would follow up to you then with a question is, is this premium club or, or yeah, is a premium club the best use case for Azuki and NFTs in general? Premium club meaning what? Like having these global parties and um like just being a part of this exclusive group that that has different events all over the world. I guess just doing that, I'm almost answering my own question. Like that sounds almost too thin to me, but like 
I, I guess I asked that because you made it made such an impact on you. Just like wow, like I, I knew about Supreme. I saw the rise and fall there. You know, you used to live uh, on the coast, and you're still always around the coast. But like, is is a premium club and a premium brand clothing would obviously be the first thing that comes to mind. Is that is that where Azuki would oh, thrive? I think that what the way I look at it is. There's lifestyle brands, and if you can be a lifestyle brand that is true to elements that are authentic, and I hate to say the term cool, but cool, you can go a lot of different ways. And I thought what was interesting is, you know, I think it's really too early to judge where this is going to go. I see that there's elements to potentially releasing music. We're talking, you know, they had a... um MC come up that was kind of affiliated with Azuki there. So you have right. all these different things that they can get into. And if you have at the root of it, I hate to say this, but at the root of it, if your filter is dope shit only, there's a lot of people that are going to follow a filter for what's dope. And there's a lot of things that can come from that. And having kind of a them serve as a gatekeeper and a curator of things that are pretty freaking cool, then there's a lot of ways that that can that can evolve and go. So I think that, you know, things always start smaller and then all of a sudden they're not, or, you know, anything from the underground, it's like, Oh yeah, you see a couple people doing it. Then it gets picked up at Nordstrom and it's, you know, jump the shark and it's everywhere like that. But having this lens and filter of, you know, kind of a mission of like, dude, we're only going to do stuff that's, you know, really cool. That really does help. And it goes down to some of the details. Like, you know, we can gloss over the event or, oh yeah, they did Hakkasan, but also the night before at the skate thing, that was cool as hell that they had like all the different decks on the wall and, you, you know, kind of reveal that. And that's not something some, you know, super mature, older brand would pull off with as much kind of edge and flair as they did. So when I look at it, I look at something that is just sitting down to breakfast in terms of what it can be. And as yeah. long as, as long as you kind of curate a high quality element of it and you don't dump things that, you know, aren't of the brand. And that's why I kind of go back, you know, when I look at the whole thing and I haven't bought one and I've been flirting with it and looking at it, like it makes me think a lot more about the elementals as, you know, something that I may want to jump in on and be kind of my on-ramp into the space. Because as we said in the very beginning, I don't know how long we've talked, but the very beginning we were talking about it, like, you can't argue with the quality of the art and the creativity with what they did there. And it's evolved. Yeah. So for me to look at something that started with something that was really cool and they've only kind of elevated from that, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought up a good point too. the, the two guys that played sire don't play. So he's kind of a homegrown and he's awesome. He, he did a great job. Uh, and then, uh, I believe it was Juku was the other one at the event. And then, uh, the skate, um, warehouse party was uh, done by Dooku and I know there was others, but, uh, I know he was the main guy and I thought they did a great job with that event and the whole, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but you're right. Just, just the, you know, we're, we're going to get into community now, but just the fact that that was so community led and, um, you know, it was kind of cool. Cause we remember we onboarded with that app that basically had kind of our quote unquote, immutable ticket, you know, it was yeah. through, it was through Ethereum somehow. I can't even remember the name of the app now, but um, something. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, Azuki used it for the, their party, but you know, you had to go get your wristband cause they had to, you know, obviously the big party, you got to kind of double down and be extra sure everyone who deserves to get in gets in and you got security and, and a lot of things like that. But Dooku and a lot of these guys with the dinners that, you know, you and I were gone by Saturday, but, uh, they did a great job and they, they used the same technology, which was, which was certainly a win for that technology that they kind of like owned the, the ticket mastery, you know, QR yeah. code vibe of our immutable ticket on our phones. But, um, it was, it was a cool experience to know that a lot of, you know, whether that company is the front runner and seven years from now, I mean, all tickets for concerts and stuff like they're going to be different collectibles and yes. it's all going that way. You know, that's, that's a whole different Stay tuned show. for another episode of decentralized Dawn. Yeah. That, that one's exciting. Cause uh disco came from the music industry and, you know, I, I, I used to work for, um, uh, a very large music organization as well. But, uh, I, having grown up with disco, um, a lot of my influences and understanding of how the sausage is made and, and that business came from disco. So, uh, for that, I thank you. Um, so, I mean, the, the parties were awesome. There's the premium brands, you know, but then there's the little stuff like, you know, the, the, I'm wearing the Azuki sweatshirt. It's heavy. It's quality. I think it was 150 bucks. Um, which, you know, for a premium brand, you know, and, and with inflation, let's be honest, like 150 bucks is like, it's like the new 48 bucks. Like it sucks, but it's true. And my 83 children used to watch Phineas and Ferb a lot when they were younger. And there's a whole episode on the aglet and the aglet is the end of the string. It's the thing there's, this is like, this is like industrial grade, like SpaceX aglet, but where I do have a gripe, the microphone's hiding it. Uh, my ring that, uh, you know, that the string goes into the ring, the ring already broke off. So, you know, I, I, I think after hearing your comments earlier, it's like, they're going to try different distributors. They're going to see what works. They're going to see what margins work best for them and what partnerships where, you know, cause Azuki people want stuff. Yeah. Ambush is cool. I I'm too old to probably know how cool ambush is, but Azuki people at the end of the day want Azuki really good branded stuff. And I would say, except for the, uh, the aglet ring, we'll call it, um, you know, the sweatshirt is good quality. Um, another thing I'll bring up at that Vegas party that, that, uh, I thought was kind of a letdown and, and, this is also based off a conversation from actually the first garden party. Um, being an old guy, I kind of like hung out, danced a little, and then I sat down and and kind of talked to the people who also sat down by the bench by the Twin Tigers jacket. And there was a girl um, who sat down to rest her feet next to us, and I started talking to her, and she actually was an ambassador or a, um, she worked for a company for a premium brand. And, and she was explaining to me, she's like, no, that like they've, there's 93 red flags on why they failed on a premium brand. And I'm like, they just started this. Like they started three months ago. And she's like that line alone, like you got a white, if you want to go premium brand and premium experience, you've got everything, you know, it's, it's the Michelin three-star restaurant experience. Everything has to be perfect because if it's not like, 
the the two star Michelin experience is simply unacceptable. So it's a tall order. I'm not a premium brand guy myself. Like, yeah, I probably have a nice watch sitting in a drawer somewhere, but I don't care that much. But it opened my eyes to um, how important that would be to get it right. You know, one and I will call it a fail at that Azuki uh, Vegas event. Remember I bought my merchandise and then we had fun and we got to see a lot of the uh, sense of being. So I was excited about that. And we had a great time at the party and then we went out after and you called it. You're like, dude, let's get out of here. Let's get up front. Let's get your stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, I was lingering talking to folks. <laughs> Disco was right. Had I, had we left like seven or eight minutes earlier, the line that that was an hour and a half line to get the clothes. Like I, I don't care if I'm waiting in line for 15 minutes, but after a party you're tired or you want to go to the next, you know, I, I should speak for the old guy. I was tired. A lot of people were just probably like their buzzes were just like starting to catch up. They were, they were rearing to go. And, and that was the beginning of the night, but that was, you know, I took a picture of the line and I just walked out and, you know, I figured I'm like, they'll ship it to me or I'll get it in the morning. We got it in the morning. Even then the web reception was bad. So it was, it was a poor logistical execution. And, you know, that's part If that for us, that's party three globally, that's party four or five. Like, come on, even if you're not going to go the premium clothing and premium brand route, because these, you know, JPEGs are so expensive and it's expensive to be a part of this community. You, you got to be that anyway. Yeah. And just on that, like you didn't even mention the fact that when we left, we didn't, they ran out of the swag bags and you have people flying in from everywhere. You should at least have enough to cover the people with the tickets, with the bag, you know, of whatever it is to leave, um, not to be in defense or anything like that, but can you imagine how many people zag and all those guys are interfacing with and getting pitched to, Hey, use us, use that. And you know, it's, it's a lot of they're going to have a lot of meetings, a lot of offers, you know, and it's going to take a while to kind of figure out how to, you know, drill down on what they want to focus on and what they want to develop and grow. You know, we've, we have friends who've started clothing businesses and just the work to figure out how that's going to go. So then again, to expect them to have the eyelets figured out, you know, within 18 months on top of, you know, doing all these other things, think of like, you know, sir, having, it's an aglet, sir. Just that, that's, I needed to interrupt you on that. It's an aglet. All right, sorry, sorry. But I mean, they're sitting there doing, you know, promotions with like the Super Bowl MVP. So just imagine the amount of meetings and the amount of opportunities and the amount of what's really necessary now is really focus and filter, right? So what does make sense of the brand to take it to this level and what does it want to be? You know, we haven't had, since it's such a new space, there's not really a road a uh, roadmap of, Hey, this is how you kind of do it. You toil and be credible for a while. And then you go here. This is so um, heightened in terms of how short the expectation line is of the development that there's just a lot of things that I think we need to consider. And the fact that they pulled off really cool looking um, sweatshirts and gear and stuff like that makes me excited about what could come from just kind of a streetwear side of it. So if you really look at it and zoom out and think, okay, you know, you don't, you have Marvels and some of these big brands, they're doing one thing core and then other things come of it, but it almost feels like there's a lot of different opportunities to build the scaffolding in different industries from this. And I think that's what 
you know, the passion of the holders that I was running into is based on like, dude, you don't even know where this can go. And maybe it's naive. Maybe they're, you know, whiny people's watches and getting everyone pumped up, up on this. And there's nothing on, you know, there's no substance to the cake, but there's something there that's keeping people interested. And I think that it's smart to give them some time to develop. I do agree with you that it'd be great to have more transparency in terms of, Hey, this is what we're looking to do. These are some of our priorities. This is where we're at with it. But again, what NFT, you know, operations before them, can they model themselves on none? Cause it's such a new space. So we don't really know how this needs to be done or how, what the best practice moving forward is to launch a digitally native lifestyle brand, which is essentially what I think they're going for. And I think they're pretty close. That's a good point. Cause like you said, like Yuga has been, they single-handedly in this modern, we'll call it the utility NFT era have, have paved the path and Azuki's core, um, uh, capability of, of what, what they're good at and really what the brand screams would be a success is really different than Yuga. And that's why I think now you're seeing them kind of go away from that. And they're going to have to, to, you know, take the road less traveled. Now they, they have been kind of riding, um, on Yuga's, you know, kind of riding and, and kind of slipstreaming off them a little, but now in a bear, this airdrop kind of hurt them. But, you know, you, you make a good point that like, the, it sounds like the the beginning, you know, where we talked about the first 90 million up to the first 18 months was like, hey, this was the kickoff opener. Thanks for a lot of people believing in us. Now we're doing the big raise. We have a plan. So I, I guess maybe I'm too close to it, but I would ask you as a newer person putting a close eye to this, do you think, does does this feel like a rug to you? One thing I One thing I'd say on... Um... I, and I don't know, and I should have looked into it more, but I don't know anything really about Chiro or, you know, who's involved in that. But I do know that like Yuga basically impl- implemented and integrated influential, very influential established people within the entertainment industry. And, you know, that was kind of what happened. You saw it kind of leak out from that perspective. So they kind of went with power brokers within the establishment. They so definitely did. Yeah. You know, and that's probably what jump started them, you know, to get them at the level that they were at a short period of time. So I'm not debating if that was cool or not or good or not, but I just don't know the same about the leadership and the, you know, strategic side of it from this perspective. But I think that's important to note, you know, you're getting some old school, heavy influential industry players that are kind of guiding the ship on the Yuga side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good segue to, to, to get into just the community. Cause I, I think without the art forever to rally around and without the dripping of the brand and the vibe, the community would not have formed. Now I would say the community has taken on a life of its own, um, within and without of, of Chiru Labs and Azuki. And, and some of the products that are coming out are just beautiful. This one by, um, Ted Kimo and Udo Collective. Um, I believe it's like, um, like 
literally homemade whiskey with your tumblers, your glasses, your coasters and everything. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. And, and, uh, if I didn't give Sunway a shout out, he's one of my favorites as well too. He's, he's probably one of the most positive people. Uh, I never met him in real life, but in spaces, he's always just super positive and is always, is always kind of taking the, the, looking at the the bright side of life, which, uh, I think, especially in this space, uh, we need a lot more of, but you know, it's just super cool stuff. And, you know, whoa, that's too loud. So I'll like, I'll stop it there. Sorry. I didn't realize how, how loud of it. That's actually how loud it was in there. That was the first party. And that's where we sat most of the time, me and Ellen, but that, that jacket, that was a homemade, um, you know, one of one twin tigers jacket, the prototype. And it was, you know, they, they nailed that thing. And, you know, I've got two in there, you know, maybe, I don't know if I can pull it off anymore, but it's, it is so well constructed. And, you know, they took some pictures early and people were like, these pictures make it look like garbage. And they're like, no, 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 no. Someone took a flat picture, like get, get rid of those, get rid of that in your mind. And, and when those things delivered, I got two of them. They, I, I was, the fit was good and I'm not an easy person to fit for. I'm kind of like tall and wiry and slim, but the fit was good. And the, it was like their heavy jackets and the reversible, like sometimes one side gets completely, you know, just like, oh, and then there's the inside. Like it was that, that jacket was solid. So as far as what they've made, like as much as I make fun of the aglet rings, like they've. They nailed the Twin Tigers jacket. It took them a while, but as you said, did it in the grand <laughs> scheme of things? Like, is that really a while or is that just you guys being impatient, wanting wanting more cool stuff? I know. And also just on that side, just every company was having trouble producing things over the past, you know, two years in terms of supply chain and everything like that. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, kind of X factors. And just to, I didn't want to dodge the question of, do you think it's a rug or not? You know, I just... And I'm of the camp that you got to give it time to marinate a little bit, you know, and if they didn't have the quality of some of the elements already in place, then it'd be easy to say, yeah, it's a rug, but it feels like there's potentially quite a bit of creative substance other underneath it. And I think you kind of got to let the, let the dog walk, walk off leash for a little bit and see where it goes, because it's, to me, it's one of the more compelling you know, stories of an evolving brand there is because it's really like where, where, where are they going to choose to go and how are they going to, you know, spray their special sauce into these different, into these different industries. And I don't know it, if it's a rug, it's got a, it's a high, a high ceiling rug, I guess would, is, would be what I would say. I've met enough of these guys and seen online, like I they are into this brand and they are into this product. Most of the the key players I know are vested uh, for four years, I believe. Uh, okay. So that would be what? 20, 26, <laughs> four plus two is six, right? I probably could have done that. The, Good work. The, the addition way and not on my <laughs> fingers, but so they have till, you know, early 26 or late 25, to really make a dent. And then, you know, some guys who could, you know, maybe one of the coders or some people could walk then, but the runway, they were smart. They, they built a runway in. it's not, you know, it wasn't two years or one year where, you know, like right after this, the, all the contracts ended, that would, you know, probably have been 
quite bad, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's a rug either, you know, and looking at what we're on the screen right now, Halumia, it's, you know, it's in its early stages, but they're, they're very slowly building an entire ecosystem. And there's a lot of nods in there to early collectors and, and kind of some of the, the, Twitter memes that went around with different thing. Like I think one, one time I I wasn't in on that one, but it was like, where's Demna or something like, and they have badges for that online. And Halumia has a whole bunch of different things, kind of highlighting different holders. I think if you ever won, they've done these things where like, uh, Azuki love Island, like what's the best looking Azuki, the winners get a, um, uh, a badge, which obviously not many winners. So that's a pretty coveted one uh, to get. And there's, there's, they're hinting at games in there and merchandise and stuff. So they're, they're building it. It is fun to go in there. They've got some chill music in there. Um, and you know, Halumia is a nice touch and, you know, we forget on the technology side, like the, I, I remember last, I think it was October and I was with my kids and a bunch of their friends and they were like running around in a corn maze of all things. And I Ooh. had on, I had on the spaces of the big skateboard drop. And it was cool. Cause I was sitting by a campfire and you know, it was, I just brought all the kids myself. So known to hang out with, and I just had my headphones in and I was listening to all the commentary and watching, you know, spirit Dow come with a bigger bid or dingling come with a bigger bid. And it was, it was like, you know, being a skater, this was, and I think even Tony Hawk's gotten his hands on one of these, like this was, you know, the whole skaters of the internet, like they're, this to me was a big win and the PBT technology of the physical backed token of being able to scan immutably and say what you own was, that was, that was ahead of its time. And it was, it was a huge win. You know, I, I don't know if we benefit yet as holders, but it's certainly as an ecosystem, as they flesh this whole thing out, it's super, um, cool to see. And, and I think the whole launch of, uh, the 12 golden skateboards was a big boost for the community and a big win. And I would argue if I went back to those slides, I'll bet you that's when volume kind of started picking up again. At least it was around there. It was, it was a cool event. It's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and they've also helped like the, I think the community has, has in many ways, taken over its own organization, but you know, they, they've provided the tools and, and, and I will say it, um, I'm not in a ton of communities, but, um, Rose and Demna and that whole team, as far as community managers, they are, they are definitely the best in the business. There's not even, uh, again, I'm not in a ton of them, but, but they, they care. I mean, I think when all this FUD happened, Demna was like, I've got meetings scheduled all day, every day, and that will continue as long as you guys need me and I'm here, like forever. And and Rose has always been awesome. Uh, you got to meet her at the uh, yeah. the Vegas event too. Super nice. Just, you know, that's a tough job and you get a lot of people just, you know, half the people are crazy and half the people are complaining and you got to somehow like create a community out of them, you know, because the, the sane people probably aren't posting, you know, 40 800 times an hour. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta balance all that. I, I do not, that's a tough job and and they're the best in the business. So hats off, hats off to them for organizing community. But again, it goes well, if to you, really, really, if you, if you have the leadership 
or the strategy to provide tools to empower the community to create what's going to come, you know, and that's, what's so exciting. It's almost like not a and Ring, but kind of, you know, giving, you know, having a staple or a, you know, a farm system. And, you know, I would venture to say that I'd be really tuned into those, some of those folks who are kind of leading that effort from the community up and really keep track of some of those things that might have a lot of um, traction and could grow into something. I love that they're incorporating that into that, um, into that other ecosystem that they're trying to create, you know, and giving nods to it because that's only going to empower and, you know, enthuse more people to, you know, create cool derivatives. Ultimately, probably one of the most talented people involved with Azuki overall could potentially be a holder who's going to come up with some really interesting, you know, derivative style stuff that could take off. So that's, that's really, um, that's powerful to see that they're really, you know, giving the tools and, you know, kind of letting people develop and see what, see what can come of that. So that's, that's a really interesting piece. Yeah, you make a good point. And and I love your analogy of the farm system. Obviously for spirit holders, you know, they're the royalty of, of the collection, you know, they should be the the spirits, you know, I, I don't know if I've talked about it enough. I think I'm about to show a couple, but it's the, the, the Azuki spirit is, I think among all PFP collections, I'm not talking art, they're just talking PFPs here. I think the spirits are as badass as they come. And I probably get a lot of flack for this, but I'd put them, put them up there with some of the cooler crypto punks. There's just something very transcendental about them. And that's why I want to see like the guardrails for these stories. Um, yeah. but, but they've been very good at bringing in not only the whales and making sure they're happy, but also the people who are contributing. Like, uh, I know a lot of the early people, they'll have a special dinner for them. Um, you know, the first night you and I got there when we just hung out and caught up ourselves and talked about our families and our childhoods and all that stuff. They had a great dinner for a whole bunch of people just to like welcome them and, and create that. I, I don't know if it was a farm system, but, but saying like, Hey, this, we are this, this kind of group, you know, and, and yeah. I don't know if this is the right place or where the right place is, but you know, Azuki is also hamstrung. Like you with good old Gary Gensler and U S securities laws, even if they wanted to, or you or anyone, or maybe, maybe they don't, but I, I think they probably do. They probably would want holders to be stakeholders and get rewards, but you, you, you know, you can't cross that line right now. It's just the, the laws in America right now just blow. And that's obviously what's leading the charge right now for certainly Azuki because they're out of California, but that's a whole probably different podcast episode, yeah. but that is such a limiting factor where you, you can't just simply share revenues and give people a dividend off of a collection as you start to build out from web three to web two or whatever. That's another show. Yeah, that's definitely another (laughs) show. So again, this is my, this is my favorite one. And this, this one, actually, I picked this before it happened, but this is one of my favorite, uh, Azuki, if not my, it's just, it's subtle. It's cool. It's the spirit. It's the, it's the messy hair. It's the subtle golden bean. And it's, and he's got the hat. It's like this one exudes cool to me. Interestingly, I, I am pretty sure, uh, iced coffee sold this to, protect the floor. I think what happened, if I'm not mistaken, he took the Suzuki, sold it to another whale. Uh, and basically the blur to protect the blur floor, 
they set the floor at 3.69. And I'll get into that in a bit. But so this Suzuki actually has some significance. Uh, I know it changed his hands. Um, He had it for several months from another guy who bought high and then panicked and sold it low. He's like, yeah, I'll take it off you. And he got it for a good price. But it's just interesting how these things pop up. And I just put it up and it it actually is kind of a part of these um, current stories. But, you know, the, the one thing about the community that has to be said, too, is and I've said this for a while and what makes me so bullish on Azuki this is literally just what I grabbed, whatever it was probably a week or two ago in, in you know, early September, late August, 23. I just grabbed the art that was on the timeline of the day. I'll bet you there's more derivative art for Azuki than every other collection combined. And I would even go as far to say combined times like 10. Like, I, you know, because board apes aren't, there's certainly a lot of derivatives, probably a mutants and board apes and stuff, but it, Azuki just lends itself to, you want to see them in action. You want to see them in different places in a lot of collections. I'm trying to think of any other collection that comes even close, but Azuki, the, the derivative art is, you know, there's Patrick Mahomes. There's, there's kind of the latest plug with, with, you know, certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks playing right now. And, and with that athletic ability and that slingshot arm from the side, possibly, most athletic dude you've, you've seen on that football field in, in decades. So, I mean, just the art is just amazing and varied and it's so much different. And I did try and give credit to each, uh, the artists who did this, but there's so many, and I mean, look at this one. This is a Sam, I'm always going to favor Sam Gildas because my first derivative was, uh, with my first two actually were with Sam. This elemental could be one of the coolest, of all 30,000, but just such a great animation. And and it's just, it's so cool to see how, how much art there is. And, and, you know, the more art you do, the more, the more vested you are in this project as yeah. a holder, because, you know, I've got all this derivative art. If I just bail on all the, the, the OGs now, like, and, and my Azuki, what do I have? You know, that art, that art loses kind of its, its luster. Um, Conger made a really good point, And I, I wanted to, to just reflect on this as we get into our final thoughts. He made a point about, you know, some of these big whales, if, if they held, you know, it's kind of like, thank the whales. Um, Cause if they dumped, you know, the, like there'd be nothing. And I agree with that. Uh, in fact, the top 50 wallets, and, and granted, I didn't filter out like Ben Dow in there, so the top two are probably the lending protocols, but the top 50 wallets own 38% of all Zuki. So even if you took Ben down there, call it probably 32% or something, um, it's a lot, right? So a third of the collection is owned by these top 50 whales. So the whales are extremely important and they, you know, they should be catered to. Uh, but I would argue, and this is an important point, whales are completely like they're locked in. Let's say you're a whale and you've got a bunch of mid rares and you got three spirits or something like of the 97 spirits are out there. You could probably dump one a month two a month and it would in a bear and it would be okay. Otherwise, those, those spirits are going to go from right now. I think the floor is 60. They're going to go to 50 to 40 to 30. Like it, it just falls too fast. So you are, the whales are super important, but 
the only place where I differ from Conger, there is the, again that market liquidity. You, you they can't dump, and I yeah. think the bummer for them. I think a lot were very honest this time around, but. I also noticed a lot of them, and rightfully so, they quickly circle the wagons and they're like, you know, they were, a lot of those guys were all in anyway, but but they also didn't really have a choice. You, at this point, you're probably, you're not going to sell now. I think Zuki's going to go up again and you might thin a little, you might, you might, you know, hedge a little and, and take some off the table just because now that we're at 50,000 collection, but there's just not enough liquidity and the whales are in, I think like, especially spirit Dow, those guys are, they're, they're awesome. And they would have been in anyway, but there, there really isn't a choice now. So, so yeah. I, I didn't know where to fit this in, but it was an important uh, point to drive home at some point. Like that's how dry the li- liquidity is right now. Um, do you think, do you think the, um, that percentage of, you know, whale ownership, so to speak, holds across other collections as well? Or do you think it's more unique to this? No, I think every collection has whales yeah. to, to totally differing degrees. Like one, one stat that everyone looks at is like holder count kind of saying like, Hey, the more you spread it out, the, right. the bigger the ecosystem is. And that's totally true. But like even crypto punks, I think are 3,700 owners, you know, cause remember it was a free mint back in 2017. A lot of these guys, a, a lot were lost. Right. But, uh, but also a lot are held by some of these whales who got an early made a yeah. bloody fortune over the years. I think Azuki's at 42, 4,300, you know, it, it's just another stat. The higher yeah. the number, the better, but it's not, I don't think it's the be all end all. And I don't think Azuki stands out from any other collection as having way more concentration or way less, but, but I know this ecosystem better and, right. you know, guys like Dingling and, and some of these other guys are holding just grail after grail after grail. I mean, they, there are certain guys who, you know, and, and some of these guys are in the ordinal space too, but th- these guys have amazing collections and, you know, they're, they're probably in it for the long run, but, Right now, I definitely don't envy all of their positions. Like I've always right. been kind of a spread it out. Um, you know, I've never I've never really been a whale in any collection, and and maybe I'm more conservative. I'd rather stake a lot of my ETH and kind of get an annuity than go all in on NFTs. Because you know, remember if if the price of ETH skyrockets, yeah. new entrants are like wait, I'm, I'm not, you know, it, it, it kind of resets the price of the NFT and, and that's a danger too. If ETH goes back to four five, 6,000 now or back to four, and then it, you know, if it went to five or six, like you get new entrants or like, how do I even, yeah, I'll get a bean or maybe an elemental maybe, but that's a, that's a tough one to get into. Only the people who've been in the ecosystem and have made the money off the growth of the ETH and kind of already had big bags can, can kind of play that game. So, so that puts pressure on it too. And that's something people need to think about when they hold just a ton, uh, a ton of stuff. But I think the net net is, and, and where I think 
Conger and wherever would agree in, in the spirit dial. It's not just the whales, it's all the holders. But yeah. the, in this case, some of the most fervent and the best holders and the most uh, prolific and, you know, spirit dial created a comic. The the whales and the hardcore holders are one and the same, right? Which I, I guess I kind of fell backwards into a lucky answer, but th- that could be what separates Suzuki from other things. A lot of whales are super fans and really good diamond hand holders. So I, I can't speak for a ton of collections, but for Suzuki, I can say, yeah, these guys, they're, they're the guys you want holding a lot of bags are the guys holding a lot of bags. And I think that that probably goes back to what we started the show way back when we started at the beginning of the show, when you showed your first, you know, your first Azuki and you were like, it just resonated with me. So I think that there really is something tied to the quality of the art and the emotions associated with the art that have people feel very sticky with the brand overall and with it, you know, so there's, a lot of collections out there. Uh, I'm, I'm open-minded to almost all of them, but some of the art is not, does not have this sort of depth or tentacles where it like hits you on an emotional level. And that's something to think about when you just look at this thing overall, like, does it really come down to just how this art can really kind of transcend and resonate with people that you're going to want to keep more. And, you know, then when you have these levels of, you know, these spirits just being, leveled up and up up in terms of the quality and 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 the intricacies it's 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 remarkable to kind of take a step back and look at and it kind of does seem to come back to this quality of art yeah and it, and it's amazing and and the the transcending of the art is such a good point that we keep going back and back to and you know if if i actually told a couple of our childhood friends like that we were doing a show and i said you're probably not going to understand it's a lot of inside baseball and things you won't understand about but the reason i bring that up is they probably like if you said oh yeah and this one's 36000 but no 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 it's uh you know it's a fire hair trade or whatever. I'm just, I'm just people. They'd be like, dude, sell it if you can and run like, yeah, it it makes absolutely no sense. But when you get into the space, all of a sudden it just, it, it, you know, the, the first time I scrolled the uh, Azuki on open sea, it was just like, you know, maybe I went to, to reptilian brain or, or all, common sense, you know, I, I'm lucky enough where I got some Bitcoin and ETH earlier where, when it was at a, a cheaper price, but I was so protective of it. Cause I'm like, I'm not buying an NFT. It was the first time where I'm like, where's my hardware wallet? Like, where, where is it? I, I got to buy this one before somebody else does. Like I, it was, it, it, I had, it was the first time my brain just got hijacked and it's amazing what art and a picture can do. I'm, I'm not a big gambler at all. And I never have been maybe with friends around the table where we're all on equal footing. And it's more like, you know, like I can beat you. It's almost a competitive thing with a buddy, but losing a lot of my, like, it just never appealed to me, you know, and, and, and in a way, this is a form of, of gambling or, or quote unquote investing. There's probably a word in the middle, like invest gambling or so, you know, gambling, but right. it's, it's nothing, it's like nothing else. And it's, this is just the first use case of a technology that's just like, makes your mind just 
go absolute boom. The Spirit DAO and the holders, though, my point in the demand more from Chiru, like right now with this elemental drop, and again, I, I'm going to really digest what you said in this because I, I think my stance is definitely softening and I'm and I appreciate that I'm in it more for the long game. But right now, I will say with that bag drop on us and especially the whales and the core holders, like we got left holding a big old bag and we're holding it now in hopes of, you know, that they are going to deliver. They know what they're doing. They don't owe us any money or remuneration. And like I said, with securities, they can't do anything, but like right now, spirit Dow, like, these guys did something that, that, you know, before we launch into our final conversation, you know, this is just a take it's a, I just put it up right. there because while I was researching, but like D gods, fumbled Zaga Moonbirds, Digi Ranga, like does any of these people have a clue what they're doing with these airdrops and to go to 50,000. And, uh, you know, I actually, um, I wrote as a failing inevitable and, and, and having done the research, I already, my conclusion already was no. And now I would say more emphatically, no, it, it, it is, it is possible. And I don't know what odds I'd give it. Like, I don't know, like that'd be an interesting thought exercise right now. Just 10 years. What do you, what, what do you think the odds of Azuki being whether acquired or not, but being like, a bigger brand than today, whatever that means to you. What, what do you, what, what would you give the odds right now? Suffice it to say, I got in when everything was very expensive and, um, most people I, do. Re- I relate to what you were saying about, Oh, what an ETH is. And you know, if it goes up and everything like that, but I'll say I've had, you know, times in my life where I, you know, help to identify, you know, potential songs or artists or bands and, you know, kind of see, you know, where things can go. And I guess I keep coming back. And I guess this is my thesis, if you will, based on this conversation is you can't underestimate how certain art hits. So if you hear, you know, a certain album that just from start to finish, once you first hear it, it's like, it's transcendent, it's transcendental. Like it changes your perspective and it changes your judgment and it changes your perspective. And PC boys, Paul boutique is just what comes to my mind first. I remember that was the cassette tape era and they had I remember with the different colors, green, black, yellow, mine was red. Mine was red. I recall that was in the accord. I was never a big B. I was, Thank you for that. I was never a big Beastie Boys fan before that. I thought it was just frat boy garbage. I think they agreed, but Paul's Boutique was when the the they literally just blew blew minds across the globe. Yeah, but same and another show. But when you first hear the beginning of Moon Safari, you change your perspective on music again. You know, that's it's like air, oh, things air go. French band Moon Safari. By the way, people, yeah. that that's a that's a deep cut. Yeah, so. My point is the fact that it could compel you to scroll through through the entire collection and essentially onboard you as a you know more seasoned um, person in the space to have the emotion override the logic to go to your hardware wallet and purchase something that to me is something not to bet against. 
And, you know, I know the statements up here with D gods and everything like that. That's all true at this point, but we're still, you know, I, I don't want to say we're at the dawn of this whole thing. We don't even know the functionality and where things can turn into and where this can go. But if something hits, it hits. If something slaps, it slaps. And those can transcend and really that is not to be underestimated. And that's kind of my overall net. I Since we were at Vegas, I was com- contemplating, you know, how do I get into this? You know, what do I do? Where do I, you know, what's my entry point and everything? And I was kind of, you know, wanted to, and I want this to be something that people would understand about what we're trying to do with this, with this program overall is we want to go into these discussions without a central thesis in place. Like we don't want to say, Hey, we believe this is what it's going to happen with the show. So I genuinely have been watching and looking and, you know, kind of seeing some of the research that you've been doing and, and, and it's compelled me to, to a point of action, which is, I think I'd like to enter the garden and I got to figure out which way to do it, but I don't oh. want to be on the side. With it. Yeah. I don't want to be on the side. Interesting. With it. Um, I wish I came in and, you know, got ETH at 20 bucks or whatever. So I got to be a little, I got to be a little uh, measured in terms of my entry point, but and, and just to kind of play that out further in looking at the different, you know, kind of sub brands or opportunities, I'm leaning pretty aggressively towards an elemental purchase because I, there's a couple that speak to me. Actually, one of them was um, shown earlier in the program. And uh, I just, I, I would be remiss after having this conversation and hearing your story and seeing the depth of the, of the folks in the community and the passion and what they're working on, as well as, you know, the fact that they came up with this in the, in the first place, like Azuki didn't exist, you know, 18 months ago, so to speak, or anything like that. So I'm, 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 I'm compelled to join and to get involved. And, uh, I think it'll be a, it'll be a very interesting journey, you know, no matter how it goes. Wow, well, that's uh, that's exciting. Uh, we we should we we will not publish this until you have made the purchase. So someone's like, I'm gonna front run this sucker and sell it to him for for double because no, we'll, no, we'll be keeping it quiet. Yeah, you know, you know, somebody would do that. Um, yeah, it, it's just interesting. Uh, th- there's one other element I I wanted to hit on, which was um. Demna, I didn't, I didn't love this one, but it was basically created by many, owned by all. But after, actually, after talking, and and really fleshing this out with with you, Disco today, I, I, my stance is softer. Like this was one of the things that pissed me off a little bit. It was like created by many, owned by all, and my thing is like, it's not owned by all. The hundred and thirty eight plus million went to Chiru Labs and the owners are. And again, with securities laws, like you can't, you can't tie in and give us annuities through our, our NFTs, which hopefully when this regime in America uh, changes and we get smarter, uh, more uh, progressive people with, with financials that that will happen. But, you know, you don't fully own your Azuki, but they do have really cool IP uh, and licensing rights. And, Chiro and Suzuki, but they have a really good, um, the the IP rights are are good, but you don't own it. And I I just want to say to Demna, like after the elemental launch, like the route, the circle, the wagon, like, and maybe that's where you're just like, dude, like, like you said, the guy's the best community manager out there. He give him, give him, come some slack. Like, cause he does believe that it is created by many owned by all. It's just, I was like, it's not owned by all, but but now, but now I do, uh, um, 
I've got a better perspective on that. So I'm not going to sit on it too long. And and with the IP rights, it is kind of cool. Like you can basically, uh, non-commercial, you can put your Azuki anywhere. And, and, you know, that, that image you could do basically whatever you want with it, non-commercial and, you know, and then you go to commercial and you basically can make derivatives. You can sell things off it. You could do other NFT collections. You could do clothing lines. You could do the whole kit and caboodle. So those IP rights, you know, tying a lot of what you were saying, why you're so excited about this. I, I love the analogies you keep making with, with bands, but this is with, 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 uh, decentralization blockchain and Ethereum in particular here, you can, the, the potential with IP rights and all this stuff is so much more like with a band, I can get their t-shirt, call myself a super fan. And that's really your only badge, right? It's your shirt. It's, you know, maybe a ticket stub. If, if you're dorky enough to show someone who came over, how loyal you are, you know, maybe <laughs> your grateful dead book of all the tickets you went to and stuff. But, you know, if you're a fan, people know by the shirts you wear and you know, how you dress and how you behave and stuff. And, and, but the, the analogy here with music uh, Spoiler, spoiler alert that will uh spoiler alert that is uh looking like that'll be an upcoming program where we talk a little bit about how nfts can impact the relationship between artists and um fans of music so stay tuned yeah that one's coming up soon because uh disco is uh again came came from those roots and i can't wait to talk about it too so the, the royalties there are you know they're good so what's keeping azuki alive community community thriving derivative art ecosystem and products and IP on top of that community and community. Right. So it's, it's everything that's, that's keeping them alive. And interestingly, that spirit that I showed you, um, spirit Dow did something which I thought was, was pretty badass. but again, you know, they're, they're locked in, but they're, they're locked in and they're, they're going to defend their garden. And I, and I, you know, I, I tip my hat to them for that, but basically a bunch of them put in a wall, a bid wall on blur at 3.69. And interestingly that bid wall sent the price up to the fours. And this snapshot was taken uh, a couple weeks ago. So it actually was really effective. And that bid wall was huge at 3.69. Then actually a higher bid wall went in. Well, Fast forward now, here's the thing. And and my final point on community is the community right now, while while Chiru Labs and Azuki gets their stuff together and 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 really lays out this groundwork, I don't want them to tell us their whole roadmap, but while they figure this stuff out, the community is propping this floor place up. And that that could have saved the floor from going to a one or a two. I I'm guessing Azuki, especially OG, they're, they're not going below one, but it probably not even two, but it, it, it held it up. But you know, if you fast forward to now, just a couple of weeks later, that wall in comparison doesn't, that doesn't look so big and it's right back down to that 3.69. So they've got hundreds of these bids holding that wall up. And that's an interesting thing about this non-liquid thing. You can actually, you know, a couple whales can do that. So that's where I agree with Conger. Like, thank you for posting that up. But I, I would argue that right now, this is a lot of pressure on the community when Azuki and Chiru Labs, like I, I'm soft, I'm going to soften my stance big time from our conversation today, big time. And I'm actually bullish again. Um, 
I was bullish from the research, but your perspective made me even more bullish. But they've got to, now that they've collected this 40 million, they've got to deliver. And it doesn't have to, I don't even want to say fast, but they've got to like be smart and execute well, whatever it is, whether it's animation or going the premium route with the Supreme clothing line angle, like they've got to deliver. Yeah. You can't, people who are tied into the community are, you know, loyal to it at this point, but at some point that can break. So it's, it's time. You're right. It's put up or shut up. It's time to, you know, bring it, bring it home. And it, it doesn't mean they have to put out like a, you know, a blockbuster right away, but they need to, you know, bring back some red meat to show folks that, Hey, you know, the, the faith is justified and, and, you know, keep with us on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, do do you have any final thoughts you want to share? I mean, mine are this, this has been, I, I, you know, the, the, there's always a pitfall. If you do too much research, you're going to be set in your ways. You're going to go through and just like, you're kind of like trying to build a story to prove your point. And I think your perspective helped me walk that back and just stay with kind of each phase of how all this happened. And that this is such a, you know, like the biggest catchphrase in this industry is, Oh, this it's dude, you're so early. This is so new. And you know, it's, it's true. Like, yeah. Anyone listening to this, you're you're early because this hasn't even remotely broken into the mainstream yet. Thank you all. Have a great day, and uh, that was the wrap. As always, decentralized on exists strictly for entertainment purposes. It is not financial advice. Please be sure to always do your own research before making any investments. <laughs>